in your corner, saving one investor at a time, working for clients, not companies, all while bully-proofing portfolios, totally committed to sharing academic truths about investing, always representing Main Street and not Wall Street. It's your Sound Money team, and this is the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. Hello and welcome to the Sound Money Investment Show at Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Forth, and we are a registered investment advisory firm, and we are independent. We do work for clients and not companies. To receive your complimentary and personalized financial income plan, give us a call, 513-575-9654. Perhaps you're seeking advice on an old 401k, 403b, some type of employer-sponsored plan, even for some, perhaps an NUA analysis Here's the point. If you're no longer with the company, then your money, as a rule, should not be there either. So we can help you take control, whether that be rolling it out into a tax-neutral IRA or splitting it via the NUA. Either way, give us a call, 513-575-9654. Our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Greg? Well, today we're going to discuss estate planning mistakes and how to avoid them. Kind of a question of the day may very well be, do you need an estate planning review? Well, if you're in a position where you've experienced any of the following, and it's quite a long list, so you might find that you are captured in this question as the answer. You are the answer. Yes, you probably need an estate planning review. The old, um, kind of the old saying is that if you fogged a mirror today, you have an estate. So of the following life events, we strongly encourage that you will schedule a complimentary estate planning review with us. We will help you with all things financial, from investment management to assessing the nature of the investments you currently have, the goals and objectives you have, uh, the risk level that you're most comfortable with versus the actual risk you're taking now with your investments. We'll look at beneficiary review, life insurance. We'll review your taxes. I mean, we do tax preparation, tax advisory, uh, insurance needs, whether it's going to be life insurance or estate planning-related life insurance or the kind of life insurance that can be used as cash value over time, drawn out as tax-free sources of income, all kinds of approaches to what might be the headwinds of your success. You can have the wind to your back, a smile on your face, and uh, right out to the horizon and succeed on purpose in this thing called retirement. And one of the aspects of retiring is you need to be here, physically present, mind and body, to assess, uh, implement, and maintain. And if you do it right, it'll maintain itself thereafter in a state plan. Because there's two realities. There's this side of eternity, and then there's the other side. Well, this side is living benefits. The other side would be death benefits. And what happens to your money when you're done with it hopefully goes to uh, charities you care about, people you love. And um, so let's look at some of these life events. Uh, birth or adoption of a new child or grandchild. You know, additions to the family. When a child or grandchild becomes an adult, they transition to adulthood. They pick up some new rights they didn't have as minors, being now that they are age of majority. How about a child or grandchild needs educational funding along the journey? Maybe start the day they exit the womb, add a little each month or each year until they arrive at school age, uh, whether it's going to be, you know, private school and um, or if it's going to be leading up to, you know, post-secondary um, in college. You know, just what are the needs in education and what role do you want to play? Death or change in circumstances of a guardian, executor, or trustee? Obviously, if a trustee goes down or an executive or will, a successor needs named is that already predetermined, or is it something you need to address? Certainly should be reviewed. Changes in the number of dependents. Dependents, such as an addition of um, the role of caring for an adult. You know, not, not junior bear, but senior bear needs some help. 
what changes need to be made legally in terms of access to resources and funds and who's going to be responsible for bank account, investment account, that will perhaps be the source of the resources and funds to support that journey of care. Change in yours or your spouse's uh, financial goals might, might as well throw in there. You become newly married or newly unmarried, as in divorce, illness, disability of a spouse. I mean, you can see the list is rather large when you just stop and think about it. Changes in your life insurance or long-term care coverage that would alter the need for a replacement beneficiary. Purchasing a home, other large expenses and assets that are titled and take names and and then by default maybe fall into estates and get captured into a process that could involve probate, public or private. Do you need a trust? Do you need a will? Power of attorneys, medical, financial, healthcare directives? Yes, you need some. Many, maybe perhaps in circumstances such as yours, it could be all career changes, new jobs, promotions, businesses, how to handle those bonuses they come in. What about benefits that transition to, um, have you ever thought about Social Security benefits or the benefits of a minor through the Social Security program? Who's going to fight over those benefits and maintain them if you become disabled in some way, cognitively impaired, but still alive, still have a pulse? Large increases, decreases in value of other assets, um, such as investments or hard assets like properties and real estate investments about you or a family member yourself receives a large inheritance or gift from a third party. What are you going to do? How are you going to structure it to where you can use it? And if something happens to you and you know, we think, we think many times that things that are not very good for our health um, or our life happen on accident, right? They're not pre-planned. So be prepared for those, those unplanned events. If a family member along the same line, uh, dies, becomes ill, once again disabled. These are all factors that need someone of clarity and legal standing to stand in and make decisions and uh, have the power to do so. Changes in federal and state laws covering taxes and investments themselves. Sometimes reviewing an estate plan as it relates to the nature and the environment of taxation or the future of taxation. Sometimes you even have to get ahead of this. James, you just don't know. You can, you can count on something for sure that it will change. Oh, yeah. And how often should this be reviewed? Well, how about as life happens? Or how about mm, when legislation changes? Or at least every five years? I mean, you can do it more frequently than that. But at the very least, review your financial estate plans, if you have the plans in place anyways, at least review them every five years. So in addition to the, you know, some of the major life events that Greg mentioned, it also helps ensure that your legacy, both financial and otherwise, is passed on in accordance to what you want to have happen, your wishes, your goals, your plan to your beneficiaries, receiving your benefits as smoothly as possible. That's the goal. That's the plan, right? So let's look into, you know, maybe the first mistake people make is assuming that they're too young to plan or to have a plan. And starts off with, as Greg mentioned, if you can fog a mirror, then you should have a plan in place. It doesn't have to be complicated. It could be something very simple, very straightforward. At the very least, having your beneficiary designations up to date and in place. But youngest, uh, I'd say the young adults today, they, they really do think estate planning is for the quote-unquote old people. Yeah, And I guess I qualify as one of those, uh, not not the former, but the latter. But a common misperception of the estate planning is thinking it's just a matter of dispersing their private property in their old age and only benefiting the loved ones after they've passed. There's so much more about the living benefits that go into and are intertwined with the estate planning. 
So many adults, many young adults today are unprepared in the event that they do pass prematurely and unexpectedly. You know, the old headline of died suddenly for whatever reason that you can think of. And it's surprising to see how many obituaries there are for people in their 30s and 40s. You know, there's been a significant uptick in those in the last couple of years. So by not putting a plan in place, chances are the government, yes, the government will be in charge of making the decisions on your behalf. Greg? Yeah, no, no doubt. External forces and internal realities, all the above. And I bet off the list alone that we read aloud that there are perhaps two or three different different situations occurring in your life now that would merit a review of your estate. I was a little surprised when we stepped through the list just how broad it is and then elements of it just so applicable to most everyone's current life. Current life meaning if you haven't currently or recently looked at your estate plan, then um, it's it's begging for you to at least give it some attention because things happen, again, unplanned oftentimes and you need the plan in advance. And believing your estate's too small to protect. That's a big one. James, you already said that, like, you know, too young or you have too small of a state. But, um, again, you have a pulse. You likely have an estate. You fog a mirror. You have an estate. Um, James emphasized keeping it simple. You know, if your life is complicated and have numerous assets and it's a large estate, it still doesn't have to be too complicated. I can't tell you how often we see people that kind of get it in their mind that they're all sophisticated and such, you know, just because they have a lot of wealth. They're just all sophisticated and all and they need a sophisticated plan, not necessarily, because the people trying to implement this left you leave may not be all as sophisticated as you, and they're new to wealth. They just inherited a bunch, and what are they going to do with it? It needs to be the ABCs of how to get it done. So it doesn't need to be complicated, um, more cumbersome. We even see in many estates where people attempt to speak from the grave through the trust, the use of trust, where they set so many conditions post-life that in speaking from the grave, they just... They just disrupt the lives of the people they're trying to bless because they just made it too complicated. So if it sounds like you or if you even thought, have we made this more of a mess um, than we intended? Well, let's just let's just sort it all through, maybe regroup. But believing your state's too small, yeah, that's, that's just not the issue. It's important to decide, you know, when you're younger, guardianship for your children. When you're older, guardianship for adults. And if you're an older adult, but you're not your parent, but your parent's still alive, how to maintain your parents. And what if you go down? While a parent in need still needs care, is your spouse going to be helpful? Is the Are the children of your home who are adults going to be helpful? Is it going to be a third party that needs to be named, identified and named? Lots to look at. But your state's neither too small, too large. It's it Goldilocks. It's just right and it needs your attention. And you're not too young. You're not too old, hopefully, either. So our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Call us so we can help. But stay tuned. You're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, the talk station. Opinions expressed are solely those of Brown Financial Advisors and should not be interpreted as specific advice. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified investment advisors prior to implementation. Market-based investments involve risk and past performance is no guarantee of future results. Insurance-based investments offer guarantees based upon the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. All insurance, tax, and mortgage services are offered through Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors, LLC. Brown Financial advisors and brown insurance and tax advisors are affiliated companies and may only transact business in those states in which registered or were otherwise legally permitted welcome back to the sound money investment show with brown financial advisors i'm greg brown and i'm james borth and we are an independent ria that's a registered investment advisory firm we do work for our clients not companies 
That's Main Street and not Wall Street. Our phone number, 513-575-9654. Website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence, Greg. Well, we talked about a few things here, like, you know, do you need an estate? You have one. What's the state of your estate? Is it too small? Uh, is it too large? It might be too complicated. It might not exist. You need to address it. How about you have an estate and you put in place a trust and you want something conditional in the trust to do certain things when you're gone? There's a good reason to have a trust over just a will. But what if you just fail to fund that trust? What this means is you have not properly titled your assets to the name of the trust, to the ownership of the trust, so that it then takes control and whatever's written in the document will prevail. So if your assets have not been properly transferred uh, into the living trust or whatever type of trust, um, that would then continue to direct those assets in your passing per the terms of the trust documents, the trust will essentially be useless and perhaps considered invalid. So once you set up a living trust, it's uh, pretty important that you actually fund the trust by retitling the assets of the assets reference or those that you want em- embraced and uh, entangled by the trust and then maintained, managed, and handled by that trust into the name of that trust. It's like an entity. It can own things. And um, if you want those things to be in the trust, you better title them into the trust name of ownership. For example, changing the deed to your home is one. And changing cars, sometimes among spouses, they have what's called a dower right and can just pick up um, the, a vehicle that's left behind, you know, without a great deal of legal wrangling. But as for some of the assets like uh, brokerage and bank accounts, they need to be retitled by the financial institution where they're held. Now, oftentimes the duties of a trust administration uh, and the process of administering trusts are just flat out misunderstood. So a couple terms like the trustor or grantor. Well, that's the person who creates the trust. They have the responsibility for transferring the assets into the trust. Okay, they're, they're like the manager. So not the attorney. And this misconception is deep. Um, but this just, it, it helps to access an attorney to understand, you know, the, the modality, the, the inner workings of the trust that's been put together, say, by an attorney. But the attorney's not the one primarily responsible. You can contract to have them do a lot of things. But it's really good for your trust to be managed by the trustee in a way that they become familiar with the trust, that it's a living, breathing, effective, effectual document. And um, one way to keep uh, things from, from slipping out of control is just maintaining good records. In an organization, well, as the organizer who the, let's say that you're the person that is the donor grantor and create the trust. You're the initial organizer, but you need to bring along with you the trustee. You may initially be the trustee of the trust, or your spouse might be a co-trustee or successor trustee, and then it falls down to your children. As you get closer to passing the baton to the next person who is going to be the ongoing organizer, you need to bring them close enough to understand your intentions, what the trust is for, what it reads, how to interpret it, the assets encumbered, and your purpose for those assets, and be clear. That's why you spend the money and the time and the effort to put together a trust. So there's no point in drafting a living trust if the assets don't get properly titled in it, if it doesn't become living, breathing, and viable. It's just merely a, a, a pretty leather-bound maybe folder with some nice parchment paper in it, and that's all, and a very expensive set of dead trees at that. Well, and there's also many different types of trusts, but categorically... We really have just the revocable versus irrevocable as far as, you know, what's, what does that mean? Revocable means that you can change your mind. You can update or change or even revoke whatever you have set aside into the trust. It also means the assets are still counted as yours 
when it comes to perhaps being subject to a nursing home spin down later in your years. The other one, the irrevocable, be careful with this one because that means once you set this up, you no longer have control over the assets, which is why after a certain period of time, those assets no longer count as yours when it comes to, again, perhaps a nursing home spin down situation. But again, there's there's much more to that. Many details that need to be examined thoroughly, not just simply glossed over. And our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654 to answer questions about those details. Now, Greg, any thoughts? Yeah. You know, speaking of questions just in general, just give us a call. Like James said, come on in. We'll review your entire financial situation, put together a financial plan. It's complimentary. Assess your current investments, your beneficiaries, your insurance policies, long-term care, the beneficiaries on your title accounts, the nature of your assets and what your intention is for them in the hereafter. And then um, we'll take a look to taxes, you know, and see if we can improve the taxation on your state pre and post your passing. Uh, make it a living benefit. Lower some taxes now and enjoy the benefit of that. But um, all that just come in and then go online and check out our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. There's a place up there uh, somewhere along there it says seminars. You can always check to see when our next public seminar is. It's food, fun, and finance. We'll dinner on us. We'll get together and just talk about these very fun and, and colorful subjects. Then you have an opportunity, set an appointment, come on in, let's review everything, get the process started. But you don't have to wait for that. You could just come in anytime and um, on a complimentary basis. First appointment is all information about you, get the facts on the table. Second one is to have you back and share all the findings, all the analysis, make specific recommendations, and prepare and share with you a uh, comprehensive financial plan. That's effectively the draft until you get your fingerprints on it. We just keep working from there. You see a fit, we work together ongoing. You don't, we just agree to disagree and keep us in mind for the future. It's very low-maintenance kind of approach, uh, very effective, though, and you'll enjoy the process. A little bit of your time and then our time and resources invested in you, and we see where we go. Again, it's complimentary, means no cost, no obligation, Please take advantage of that. Email us, call us, come see us at a public seminar. Catch us um, you know, each Sunday at noon here in 55 KRC. The Detox Asian, right? We're here all the time. Have been for almost 15 years. Or any more, what, podcast. Catch us on podcast on your time. All these are available for you on any of the subjects, including today's subject being estate planning. Um, James, what, what happens with the timing? You mentioned earlier uh, the best time to review an estate ongoing. Yes, at least every two to five years when it comes to reviewing your plan. Doesn't mean you have to do any major updates or overhauls, but again, at least two to five years is the time frame from when we say review to make sure things are still in place. And, you know, your personal and your financial situations will change over time. So whether it be you got married, got divorced, you had children, increase, decrease of assets, accumulation of assets, or, you know, a lot of times what also should be looked into is if you have businesses or even property like uh, rental property, real estate property, how do you organize or structure that? Or, and then going back to the revocable versus irrevocable, another thing that happens a lot is just simply changing your mind, a change of heart on those whom you've left in charge or who you want to have next to be in charge. All these things can and will affect your estate plan. And life does have a a habit of changing. That means so must your plans. Remember this, a plan that works for you and your family when you're maybe in your 40s will probably look a lot different when you're 75. That's why it's important that you put your plan in place and then once in in a while, pull it out and review it just to see what's occurred, how has your needs, how has your life changed. And it's, it's, again, better to be proactive when handling such a delicate matter it is, by the way, your legacy, 
your family, and they may just be depending upon it. Yeah, it's like James said, it's not always the changes in your life, although they're certain to occur uh, with time. It's also the changes in your beneficiary's life. I mean, if your son Harold married Helga the Horrible, she was just Helga before she became horrible, um, you might need to make some changes because, you know, you can't leave old Harold too much or old, oh, well, anyway, you get the picture. We, we like to call that, you know, sometimes um, in-laws become outlaws. Just need to be prepared. Your document should be dynamic enough to handle many of those things. But as life changes, you also may need to make changes with it. Uh, let's see, procrastination. Goodness, you know what that is? It took me a while to get to that subject. Uh, I put it off. Anyway, procrastination, not having your estate plan at all, or not having a will, not having a living trust, not having health care directives. You know, when it comes to estate plans and estate planning, 70% of adults have failed to even create one. And you might be well intending to get around to it. You might even start the process a few times, just haven't completed it. Well, here's the cattle call. Uh, go ahead and get it done. Get it off the list of things to do so it's one less thing to do. Uh, the old the old adage, I say it probably too much, probably tired of hearing it, but um, someone once said you should live your life in such a way that when you die, that's all you had left to do. Get this off the list of things to do. Don't be this statistic. There's that word, statistic. Of course it is. So um, we'll just keep that in mind. Don't procrastinate. Get the help. We're extending our hand out. Accept it. Come on in. We'll get you on the right track and take care of this. We have an attorney. Uh, that's retained to help our clients do just that. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Call us, we can help. But stay tuned, you're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55 GRC, the talk station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borth, and we are an independent RIA. That's a registered investment advisory firm working for clients, not companies. And it does all start with a plan. That means actually having a plan, knowing what you own and why you own it. So whether you're seeking advice on an old 401k, 403b, IRA rollover, investment planning, retirement planning, income planning, tax planning, social security maximization, Roth conversion analysis, NUA analysis, and for some, perhaps even an in-service rollover, all those and more we can help, 513-575-9654. Our website, brownfinanceadvisors.com. Email team at brownfinanceadvisors.com. And our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence, y'all. Well, we were talking about estate planning mistakes and how to avoid them. It's also an important thing to consider how estate planning is actually intertwined with overall financial planning. The big picture. It's one of the pieces of the of the puzzle. A very important one. Um, we focus so much on living benefits, which is a good thing. And estate planning has living benefit attributes as well. But it's also a, a pre, I guess, a pre-game plan towards a future game, the game that is without you. And um, you know, the different types of effects. We, we talked about the effect that the government could have on taxation or property, and. Um, legislatively, things that change that need to be aligned with through your trust. And uh, it's just in the big picture, none of us can escape death, right? But through thoughtful planning, what may occur before and after death is one of the most important things that can be addressed and predetermined. So it can just be executed on behalf of your best interest and those interests of the people you care about. So the term will better late than never or better late than sorry. It doesn't apply to estate planning. You're either prepared or you're not. You either did it or you did not. You either started it and completed it 
or you failed to complete it. See that that's right on cue. That means that was that was someone calling you to remind you to to get your estate plan. James, how about uh, what kind of people should we be meeting with, or uh, or if you're not meeting with someone experienced in more than just oh yeah, the another, legal aspects. Another major mistake that we see is people that don't meet with financial, legal, and tax professionals. So we're talking about professionals for not only your legal, your financial, but taxes. All those are intertwined into your estate plan. And yes, it's tempting to save money or at least try to save money doing it yourself. There's still many people who will very simply do that no matter what. It's just like they they just simply refuse to work with anyone because they are the experts. They know everything themselves, or at least that's what they think. And a lot of times what we find out, unfortunately, by you know, experience, experience means you've learned a painful lesson the hard way. And by not working with a financial professional or a legal professional, you may wind up costing not just simply you, but your family a lot of, of grief and a lot of money down the road around the corner. So a do-it-yourself estate planning program, let's kind of back up a step and, and look at it like this. If you're just crafting a will, Sometimes, very simply, is for husband wife, all of your stuff goes to her, all of her stuff goes to you, male versus female. If you're looking at powers of attorney, make sure that you have in place financial powers of attorney and also for the medical side, your medical directives, your medical powers of attorney, if you will. And make sure that you don't leave anything out. One of the most common omissions that we see with the financial powers of attorney is where they don't have the authority to either update or change or assign beneficiary designations. So, you know, if we've seen it once, we've seen it a thousand times where that one omission can have tremendous impact on the future of a particular estate. So, you know, the reminder there is don't make that mistake. Yeah, definitely have seen that a number of times. And uh, at times it meant that monies went to someone unintended because at a certain critical point, no changes could be made to the trust or the beneficiary structure, even though there were legitimate concerns and needs for change. Whoever was left as successor trustee in charge of making changes lacked the adequate powers. They were not granted to them properly just by some miswording, ill wording or incomplete or omissions of critical words and phrases. So it just, it's, it's important. You know, these things, you get it done once. You pretty much are done except for a little bit of maintenance. If you don't get it done once correctly, then through the, the concept of inheritancy, you are continually carrying forward a broken instrument. It doesn't matter what changes you pile onto it. If the core is bad, you know, the bones, <laughs> bones are good. Remember that song is kind of a country tune. The bones are important. Now, when you go through the process, you'll need to look at what? Financial aspects, estimating value of your state taking consideration income, future income of the person involved in the state, the assets encumbered by the state, the actual person of the estate, annual expenses, uh, current assets and debts, tax implications, both federal and state, the transfers of taxes, monies and resources that become taxed at different levels, maybe taxed at a, at a trust level, which can be a much higher tax rate, uh, which, which the tax brackets just soar very quickly. You know how income tax has banded ranges by dollars where you progress your way through a higher incremental tax rate based on income. Well, it's very similar for trust taxation, but the income brackets are tight and small and you end up getting thrown into the highest level, upwards of 40% in a country second. 
So sometimes a trust isn't the best vehicle just because it would cause potentially higher taxes down the road than you intended. You're just trying to get your stuff to the right people in the right way with a few conditions here and there. Lo and behold, you set up and triggered a whole mess of additional taxes that you would never have done if you had been eyes wide open, well-informed, making good decisions with good information. So estate planning has a lot to do with the financial aspect, not just the legal status and standing of ownership of the stuff encumbered. Well, good news about the, the trust is far as taxation is concerned, if you properly structure the trust, many times you can have the pass-through impact. That means you can have the effect of the taxation, the income, and then the taxes due on the income pass through from the trust to the individuals, to the beneficiaries. So again, properly structuring the trust is so vitally important because, as Greg mentioned, if you're paying upwards of 35 to 40% tax rate on income as low as, say, $20,000, and then upwards of twenty to say a hundred thousand dollars, that's a massive tax bill. Versus if you pass it through the individuals, and those same individuals are taxed at maybe twelve to twenty-two percent versus the thirty-five to forty percent. That's a that's a major, major difference when it comes to the impact of taxes and trusts. Now the next one, Greg, unfortunately you have some experience with this one about one of the major mistakes is not telling your beneficiaries or your tr- trustees about your plan. Greg? Yeah, when it comes to that, it's important to let those people who you've named, either as trustees or beneficiaries, uh, about your state plan. And not only trusting in the wording of the plan, literally back to letting them know as in telling them, having a powwow, have a big picture family planning meeting, just a one-off. It could be just over dinner. It can be very casual. Maybe encourage people to take notes. Take a few notes of your own. Perhaps even write a letter of love that outlines in your own words what you're final wishes are. It doesn't have to be all sobby, sad. It doesn't have to be negative. It doesn't have to be legalistic. It certainly shouldn't be. It shouldn't be um, just too heavy or too wordy. It should just get to the bottom line. Here's my stuff, folks. I got all these documents here, and this is what I'm really trying to convey to you right now. You know, don't waste the money. Don't plunder it. Make wise decisions. Seek good counsel. I'm working with the firm I want you to go to the day you know are notified of my death. They know everything I intend, but I'm telling you here, I want... You to get this, you to get that. I want you to be able to uh, be responsible in taking on the role of this. It's my intent that so much goes to that charity I've always cared about, and the rest goes to you all and those two kids there. And why so specific? Because we have found sometimes the legal aspect of the trust, like James was talking about, someone does end up with the right powers. The document fails the beneficiaries. But that doesn't mean the beneficiaries have to fail themselves. A beneficiary that's aware that certain money is supposed to go according to your intent and desire to, oh, so-and-so, and if the document ends up wrong and someone else, another, another beneficiary, then that oh, so-and-so gets the money, then hopefully, hopefully that person has the moral compass and character and integrity, regardless of the legal standing that they can receive those monies and keep them to, can make the right decision and get those resources to who you intended because you had the family discussion. You didn't leave your beneficiaries, future trustees, successors, future power of attorney people in the dark waiting to just get the nod once you're dead and someone reads you know, some dead trees with some ink on it. Anyway, just communicate. I guess that's the bottom line. Well, here's, here's one for you. And here's my personal experience with this one is as people get, you know, later in in their years, they start hiding things and, (laughs) you know, whether it be their, you know, putting cash in books, drawers, under mattresses. Uh, My dad unfortunately had a, large safe in his home, but he got to be so hard of hearing that he could not hear the combination for the safe. 
So his alternative was start hiding stuff where he could find them. And unfortunately, as he also got a little bit later in years, he forgot where he hid some of these things. So as you know, it's like an Easter egg hunt when we were unfortunately cleaning stuff out of his home after he'd passed away. So anyways, just my personal experience with that one. So that's as as we mentioned, these are some things to learn from and try not to repeat those. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Call us, we can help. But stay tuned and listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, Detox Station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borton. We are a registered investment advisor firm, and we are independent. We do work for clients, not companies. Our phone number, 513-575-9654. Website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email, team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. And our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Greg? Well, let's uh, look at... Leaving your assets as joint tenancy, okay? Estate planning mistakes, how to avoid them? Well, here's a tip. Leaving your assets more jointly held. Jointly held property, it can be a nightmare of unexpected tax and non-tax problems when the property is titled jointly between individuals. So should you keep it jointly? Well, there's pros and cons. We know that uh, property jointly held, that by default, the other joint owner just becomes a successor owner. But um, there are some wrinkles. Here's some examples of what can and has happened when the property is jointly owned, the surviving owner can give away or leave the formerly joined owned property to anyone they want, regardless of the desires of the deceased owner. So if you leave it as simple as it's ours, well, then you go down, then it's just theirs. And you might have had an understanding, just generally speaking, that you wanted some portion or interest of your to go to someone or something, but it gets subverted because the new owner is, is who was the joint owner. And they may have different plans. So in other words, holding property jointly results in a total loss of control at death. And the surviving owner can completely ignore the prior wishes of the decedent, you, your wishes on the, the dis- disposition, which is another way to say how they dispose or do whatever with the property. And that loss of control, it can be minimal to horrendous when the joint owners are, say, not related. They're married, uh, clearly not in agreement as to the ultimate recipient of the property. You see this a lot in what you call second families, sandwich families, et cetera, where you have your set of beneficiaries, they have theirs, it's kumbaya, everything's good while you're married and both alive and kicking. And then one of you kicks the bucket, the other one becomes sole owner. They're under a lot of pressure, duress. Maybe they have a bias towards their side of the family. Their can vote over yours or your children just upset them or there's always that tension. And now they have the ability to act on that and solve it by sending your assets another way. So, Property owners sometimes don't even realize that jointly held assets like that pass directly to the survivor who can very well lose the property also due to taxes, creditors, debtors, other forms of litigation, lawsuit, and settlement expenses. It's just left exposed. So sometimes you just need a different structure, wouldn't you agree? So that your interest in the asset can get directed to the people that you want it to at your passing and not risk going through transitory hands of the surviving joint owner of the same said stuff. So an experienced, well-educated professional, uh, such as, well, we're experienced and think we're well-educated, love to help you, can help assist you in creating the estate plan that's designed to avoid not just these possible situations, but solve a lot of other issues before they happen too. So I want to look at a couple elements when it comes to this. Um, James? Oh, a big issue is think of the, the term of gifting versus inheritance. 
here's what happens is a lot of times, especially after one of the spouses passed away, the other one tends to want to name children onto these different types of accounts immediately before someone or anyone else has passed away. So by, you know, putting them on your bank account or on the deed of the property, you've now created a, a potential landmine of gifting versus inheritance. So if you were to pass away first, then the inheritance kicks in and inheritance has a step up of cost basis. That's the major difference between the gifting versus the inheritance is the lack of a step up of cost basis if you gift something. So by putting their name, like the Chitlin's name, on the deed of your property, effectively you've gifted that property to them, either in part or in full when it comes to putting their name on the deed of the property. And then when it comes time to dispose of that particular asset and they don't receive the step of a cost basis, now you've created a potential major tax implication by them not receiving the step up. So step up means that if, if the house is worth now, say $500,000, and at the time that you purchased it way back when it was only $100,000, if they sold it today, 500000 cost basis for the step up, and then 500000 let's just say they sold it for the property's value, that means zero taxes are due. Versus 100000 cost basis, 500 selling price, they have a $400,000 capital gain to now account for on their tax return. So measure twice, cut once when it comes to this. If that's your intention, then that should be part of your estate plan. But if that's an unintended consequence, then beware of that that particular landmine. Greg, what's next? Yeah, I think um, I think that's just a very very important point. And if you look at it from a, a different illustration standpoint, maybe demystify it a bit. If you missed it, let's say that my dad passed away. My mom received a whole lot of property as the surviving spouse, a joint owner of it in this case. Uh, marriage, original marriage, fully intended to get the stuff um, between my mom and dad. My mom succeeds my dad. She has the stuff. But my mom, let's say, is older. And at that point in life, she feels a little um, insecure about just being responsible for all that. And so she puts me on as an owner. Let's say I'm a little bit naive and I don't do what we do for a living. And um, about this subject matter, I just don't know what I don't know. And I say, okay, mom, that, that makes some sense. I'll have some access and some rights uh, to access that money and work on your behalf. You can trust me. You know, you can, et cetera. And then she passes. What just happened? Well, James, what he just described was that I'm an owner of that. I, we just, there was a bad tax move that just was made. All the right intents and purposes made sense in a lot of ways, except for it was a very bad tax decision. All those assets that I could have inherited at fair market value if I'd just been left as a beneficiary would have meant I'd not paid taxes on all the gains of the stuff mom and dad through mom left to me as a owner, surviving owner. I owe taxes on the gains if I sell them because I'm an owner. I inherited the cost basis. Had my mom in that example just made me power of attorney and be able to exercise judgment over all her business dealings, including her assets, and just left it that until her passing and then say I was her only beneficiary, then I received all this stuff, as James was saying, I wouldn't inherit her cost basis. I would inherit fair market value as the cost basis. So it technically had no gain, no tax due. Little things. And that's more of a financial perspective than it is a legal perspective. A lawyer just write it up any old way you want. Oh, you want to be joint owners? Sign here. Thing one, thing two, done. But what about taxes? Very costly. So just, I know that was redundant, but that's a big one, my friend. Oh, yeah. Another category is about estate taxes. And this kind of dovetails into gifting plus the estate taxes, because currently the estate tax exemption limit is extremely high, at least comparatively speaking for most people. 
What we mean by that is there's a $12.9 million exemption per individual. And if you do it right, that means file your forms correctly. And it's called a tax return. Filing that properly, then that can be doubled up to $25 million per couple. So $25.84 million per couple is a pretty large number that you can exempt from estate taxes. And most states here locally, at least, do not have an estate tax at the state level. Kentucky does have a form of inheritance tax, depending upon like the different circles of relationships. So if you're in the inner circle of the family, you know, like direct family, sister, mother, brother, et cetera, you won't have an inheritance tax. If you're like two or three circles outwards from that, distant relatives, not close relatives, you're likely to have some level of an inheritance tax when it comes to the state of Kentucky. So when it comes to gifting, think about it this way. There's a current gifting limit or what they call the exemption amount. The exemption amount means basically don't ask, don't tell. So if it's under the exemption amount, there's no forms that need to be filed, no reporting that needs to be done. Just simply give your money away to who you want to give it to, and that's it. That limit is $17,000 per person per year. And again, that can be excluded from what could otherwise become your estate. Now, if you're married, then potentially that could be doubled to 34000 So constructively, if you're gifting something to a person, each of you, each of the husband-wife team could gift $17,000 per person per year to the same individual. That's why we say it could be doubled from seventeen to 34000 So just some examples that may require cash from your estate when it comes to this type of planning. Think about, and this is, again, for the large estates out there, the federal state tax. There also could be federal state local income taxes. There also could be, for many people out there who don't do this properly, probate costs, admission costs. So estate tax, think of it also this way. It applies to all of your assets, no matter how they are titled. That means if it's your asset, if you had a revocable trust, it's still your asset. So, Greg, any other thoughts on that? No, just you keep going back to ownership, title, and assets, and all for the right reason. And if you have those all lined up for the correct reason and you put it in the proper legal documents, you are golden. And if you do this soon, you won't have to do it often. It'll be done right. So just let's let's address this. It's on your mind. It's the topic of our day, and uh, we will help you with it anytime that you're ready. And our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Call us, we can help. Now, on behalf of Greg, myself, James, we want to thank you for listening today. Have a great week and remember this sound money, where good things are believable, achievable, and true for you. <laughs>